1: The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Get ready to play with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at KingCasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org.
3: Oi oi, Savaloy. Welcome back to Friday's Football Social Daily. If you want piping hot Premier League news, then we've got it. Hold tight. There is loads on the way, but there won't be a any question answered on today's show, as normally it is on a Friday, mainly because I forgot to put a message on social media this week. So apologies for that. It will be back for next week, but we've still got plenty to go at, including on today's
2: podcast, we've got Noel McCorn back from his jollies. Did you have a good time, Noel? I did, Jim. Thank you very much. No, it was much-needed break. bit of current bun on the old back and a few cocktails dip in the pool. Can't complain. It's
3: feeling very... Uh, Cockney at the moment, this, isn't it? Oi, oi, (laughs) Savaloi. I thought I'd carry on the way you started. It's good. Good. Uh, Right, we've got to balance that out with a little bit of northwest charm. We've got Steve McNaughton with us today as well. Good morning. Good morning, Steve. So we're going to be chatting about the start of the season, which is creeping ever so closer every single day at the moment. T-minus 21 days until it all kicks off. And yesterday we got the very first glimpse of the fixture list for next season. The big news is... That everyone plays everyone else. Twice. But which games should we (laughs) be writing into our diaries now? We'll look at that very shortly. The rumour mill is of course in overdrive at the moment. It doesn't feel like the transfer window's really got going yet, but there's plenty of deals being talked about that could spring into life. Chelsea, United and Liverpool all reportedly looking to strengthen, if you believe the rumours. And it was a couple of days ago, but we've not talked yet about the Premier League Player of the Year. It was announced earlier this week. It went to Kevin De Bruyne and I'm sure our Liverpool-loving Steve will have something to say about that decision shortly. But first, the fixture list is out. We now know who is going to be playing who and when they're going to be playing them and all eyes is obviously on the very first games of the season. Niall, I'm going to get you to go first on this one. When you look at that opening weekend, what's going to be first on Match of the Day and what's going to be last?
2: Well, I think the first thing you're going to see is Liverpool against Leeds. I think that's going to be the first game. It's the game that everyone's going to be looking ahead to. Leeds, of course, their first season back in the Premier League for 16 years. It's been a slog for them. They've tried for the last few years and made a good fist of it of trying to get back up to the Premier League. They've been knocking around at the top end of the championship and they finally managed it last season. Um, and of course, Liverpool looking to defend their crown back to back Premier League champions is not something that's been done very often since the Premier League era began in 1992. Manchester United have done it. Chelsea have done it. Um, and I think that's about and Manchester City. I, I think they, they've done it as well. So it's not not um, loads of clubs that have done it. And Liverpool will want to add their name to that list. So they'll kick off the defence of their title against Liverpool. So that will be one to watch. Certainly more so, I think, for the way Marcelo Bielsa conducts himself on the touchline for Leeds. And I've said this um, a couple of times on the podcast that for me, Leeds United, it's the Marcelo Bielsa show. It's not actually about the players that Leeds have got. I mean, if you think about the players they've got off the top of your head, you think, yeah, they've got some good players. But really, are the players that good to stay in the Premier League? Like maybe I'm being harsh on Leeds, but Mm. I look at their squad and I think, is that a Premier League side? No, it isn't. They've got a quality manager. And I just wonder whether if Marcelo Bielsa decides to kind of leave things be and let's just say something mad happens and he decides to walk out or he's had enough or dare say it he might get the sack. I don't think that will happen, but let's just say it does hypothetically. How are Leeds gonna cope with that? Because I think a lot of the focus is on that manager rather than the players. So I think that'll be the first one on match of the day. I think what I will say though is you're right, Jim. It is the most underwhelming part of the football summer. It's fixture release day. <laughs> like everyone gets excited and it is about as exciting as, as a fart in a lift. You know, it's 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 just awful. It's just like, well, yeah, this is who we got on Boxing Day, this is who we got on New Year's Day, this is our opening game of the season. You know, our longest away day is in October on a Wednesday night or something. You know, that that's the kind of excitement you get from it. very, very minimal. But for me, Leeds Versus Liverpool will be the first game or match of the day and I think it's interesting and I might mention it in a bit how Liverpool have yet again got um, the champions of the championship as their first game like they did last
3: season. I want to talk about that in a second actually but I want to pick up on what you said about Bielsa and Leeds first because it's a really interesting point. It's a superstar manager and maybe a championship team but that's going to level out in the Premier League a little bit. I think in the championship it's a little bit different isn't it where there are certain things that make the championship a bit of a leveller, which is why it's such a difficult division to get out of once you're into it. And the manager probably has more weight in the championship than they do in the Premier League. In the Premier League, say, for example, the manager accounts for 30% in the championship. It's probably down to 15% in the Premier League. So Leeds do need to address some of their squad frailties if they are going to survive.
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, you look at the way that They've kind of tried to secure, I think it's Ben White from Brighton on a permanent contract and Brighton are saying, well, Mm. no, if you want him, you're going to have to pay big bucks. And I think that's where Brighton hold the cards of being in an arguably established Premier League club now. And they can say, well, Leeds could be a direct challenger because I think down that bottom half of the table, that's where Leeds are going to be knocking around. A lot of people have been saying Leeds are going to be dishing out bloody noses. Now, we were all wrong about Sheffield United. I mean, mm. I think everyone's going to be wrong about Leeds. I don't think they're going to be up and around the top 10. I really do I just don't see how anyone can suggest that squad is going to be up and around the top 10 in the Premier League. I just, I just can't envis- envision it. Personally, I'm, I would happily come back to this podcast. What are we today? 21st of August, 2020. I'll happily come back in, let's say, what's that, four months, 21st of December, just before Christmas, if Leeds are knocking around the top 10, I'll be stunned. And I'll come back and I will apologise to all the Leeds fans listening because I know there is absolutely millions of Leeds United fans. They're a huge football club. They are a massive team, team. Jim, yeah. And they do need to strengthen. I think any Leeds fan that's worth their salt would suggest that if they think that they're going to beat up some teams and end up in the top 10 of the Premier League in their first season back, then they've got some... I'll tell you that because I, I, don't, I seriously don't think that's going to be the case. Um, they do need to strengthen. I do think they, they need some sort of contingency plan if uh, Marcelo Bielsa decides to leave the club. He's got a tendency to be a bit erratic, hasn't he? I mean, they were lucky to keep hold of him for a second season. I think he was keen to walk away after the first attempt to get up failed. But he is a character. It'll be exciting to see him in the Premier League, but his squad will need strengthening. There's no doubt about it. But The question is, where do Leeds United look?
3: Looks like he is signing a new contract. That's the noises coming out of Ellen Road at the moment. But if you are a Leeds United fan, get that date in your diary. Make sure you come at us in four months' time and prove Niall wrong. Uh, Steve, (laughs) let's talk about that very first game for Liverpool. How much are Liverpool play in the Premier League? It was Norwich last season. It's Leeds United this season for the first game. And it doesn't really matter who you play on day one, but it can get you off to a
0: decent start. And Liverpool fans will be looking forward to that one.
2: It was the West Ham the season before that. (laughs) Oh, God. Um,
0: Yeah, we'll be be looking forward to welcoming Leeds to, to the Premier League. I think, you know, the long overdue... To be back and, and and fighting in the biggest league in the world, because like you, you guys have just alluded to, they are a massive football club. Um, I I don't expect a massive challenge off them on the on the twelfth of September. I think the squad is a bit too weak. Um, I think you know when you look at kind of the likes of Patrick Bamford leading the line, I just don't think that. You know, they've they've got enough quality in there to really kind of trouble Liverpool. Um, And I think, you know, I don't know what their their opening run looks like. All I know is that they're at Anfield on the 12th of September. And I think, you know, they'll be looking at that one and just going, if we can just avoid a bit of a pace, then, you know, we we can go after that. You know what I mean?
2: It's so tough, Steve, their opening run in, honestly. I'll try and find it now, but I remember glancing at it the other day and thinking, God, it's tough. So they start with Liverpool um, and then they've got Fulham, Sheffield United, Man City, Wolves. Uh, as they're opening five, then their next two after that, Aston Villa, Leicester, uh, and that takes them up to Halloween. So the first sort of handful of fixtures, um, a few toughens and a few less tough games in there, as you'd expect. But, you know, aside from Fulham, the you know, you're looking at these opening fixtures, Liverpool and then Fulham, then Sheffield United, Man City, Wolves, Aston Villa, Leicester. So it's not it's not going to be easy for them, it really isn't.
3: Speaking of difficult starts for the Premier League, obviously I've got a bit of an eye on West Ham all the time anyway, but yeah. I think the Premier League must absolutely hate West Ham when you look at the opening fixtures that it's we have in the, the Premier, Premier League season. <laughs> 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 so, first game against Newcastle, which isn't a disaster, but it will still be tough. Then Arsenal, Wolverhampton, Leicester City, Tottenham Hotspur, Manchester City and Liverpool are the opening seven fixtures wow. that could be seven games quite realistically without a win for West Ham and that could start off what is going to be another tumultuous season in East London Nile
2: yeah possibly I mean it could be like remember when Crystal Palace employed Frank De Boer a few seasons yeah. ago and they lost the four, first four games and they panicked and hit the eject button and sacked him um, not sure that's going to happen uh, for West Ham I think I think you might be surprised West Ham they, they probably will I think struggle again this season I don't think they'll be um, much higher than they finished this year to be perfectly honest but I, I do think again that, that there's a you know it's a difficult thing to gauge and the first game of the season it always throws up some crazy results if you mm. can win your first game, That's a massive platform. Give yourself three points on the board. Um, But I think the big issue is for West Ham is if they do lose the first game, like you say, the confidence might be low and things can start to snowball. The only benefit West Ham, I think, have is that everyone's in the same boat and no one's played football for a little while. So who knows? Who knows? You might make some good signings, Jim, and you might bring some players in that completely change Mm. things around for, for the Hammers, but... Again, it's, it's just so difficult to predict the opening game of the season. I mean, I, I don't bet on football matches because it's just it's just so unpredictable. I mean, the amount of times you do a 10 team accumulator, nine teams win and then Celtic go and lose to Ross County or something. And you think, oh, for God's sake, you know, some team lets you down. Um, it's, it's a difficult thing to predict. Uh, West Ham I can see why fans like yourself are slightly concerned about the start but you just don't know I wouldn't get too shaky uh, a, knob- a knocky knee just yet about the start I do think West Ham will probably pick up a couple of points in there that first
3: game against Newcastle now Newcastle have one of the worst records on the opening day of Premier League seasons they've lost more games than almost any other team. The only other team that trumps them in that department is West Ham. So it will be an interesting first day encounter. I've had a look through the diaries and the schedules and I've picked out some games that I think are going to be really interesting. I'll be interested to know what your boys think is the highlight from this little lot. So, got Manchester United versus Tottenham. The Mourinho derby, always fun. October 3rd, that one's taking place. Everton versus Liverpool, the first Merseyside derby of the season. That's October 17th. First Manchester derby is December the 12th. And then a game that I think will be really interesting and potentially we'll see a fair few red cards, Leeds United versus Manchester United, and that's on December 19th. It's a bit of a pre-Christmas treat. If you were going to pick one fixture that you were going to have from that lot, Steve, which would you go for?
0: Oh, I think... um... Yeah, obviously the Manchester derbies a tasty, aren't they? Um, and all these seems to have a bit of a hoodoo on on Pep in recent times for some bewildering reason. Um, but I think you know you look at that kind of Anglo Pennines uh, Derby with with Leeds and, and United that Man United that is that is going to be well tasty, and I think the shout. About you know the red cards is a good one because I think that there'll be there'll be blood and thunder in that my my (laughs) words and I think you know Leeds will will be wanting to make a real impact on that and um, it's got that kind of feel about it. Um, Remember the FA Cup tie when they went to Old Trafford and Jermaine Beckford scored that goal and and they went through. Um, Mm. I think that um, you know all the forms out the window. Um, I mean I'd say Everton, Liverpool obviously being a Liverpool fan, but they're so boring the Merseyside derbies, you know, unless well, they're like, kind of like, this game, will it be as boring? Because I mean, it's for me, that Everton
3: Liverpool game could be a real tester of how far Everton have come. You'd expect that game to get a lot more competitive over the next few <laughs> years with Ancelotti and the investment that's coming Would you? in. So it could be, well, I th- yeah, I think it, I think Everton are going to start rising a little bit. So I, maybe From this 12th. season will be too earlier. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so maybe it hasn't got quite the same bite as it used to. I think Ancelotti will, will undoubtedly make Everton a, a better team. And I think we've seen little green shoots of that in at times last season and then after Project Restart it just fizzled out, didn't it? And um I think that the problem that Ancelotti's got is is that he's obviously a serial winner. Um he's won everything in the game and um he's got a squad that's imbalanced, that has got a lot of of mediocrity in it, and I think for, for Ancelotti to Get the squad that he wants. He's got to spend hundreds of mm. millions to do that, and mm. and let's not forget, you know, in the last what is it, four, or five years, Everton have spent half a billion pounds uh, on players, and they they finished twelfth, and you know you, you kind of look at Everton and you go well where's the money going to come from for, to, for Ancelotti to do what he needs to do because you know he's you know with the greatest of respect you know Jordan Pickford isn't a good enough goalkeeper um, you know you've got kind of that you know he used Mason Holgate and, and Michael Keane as centre-backs last season didn't he uh, you know for quite a lot and they're okay but they, you know they're not massively pulling up any trees are they and um, and then you've got the kind of the like signings like Alex Awobi in, in midfield and gilfie Sigurdsson who's obviously gone off the boil, and uh, Moise Keane's not worked out, and you just think that Everton needs a proper spine going through it, uh, you know, like Chelsea are trying to do at the minute, and and like. Um, you know, teams that, well like Liverpool have done, you know, where they went through that pain Barry, and thought, right, we've got to sign an amazing defender and we've got to sign an amazing goalkeeper in it, and it changed things. But I just can't see Everton in a short space of time with probably another three or four hundred million quid need and spending, you know, being being top four or anywhere near it, uh, you know, to be quite frank. And I think. You know what Everton do when when the Merseyside derby is on is they just go into that game and they set up to just not get beat and that's why we get a lot of nil nils in that game um, because Everton kind of the two banks of five really difficult to break down I think you know it was our uh, it was our first game from Project Restart I think it might have been mightn't it and we just huffed and puffed for eighty minutes. And then Everton, he put, he brought Dan Lovren on. Um, God God bless him, who's now at Zenit St. Petersburg. And Everton had a really good 10-minute period. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's in the Russian league now. He might as well be. <laughs> he has I mean. been since 2017. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, Everton were plucky for 10 minutes. And it, apart from that, you just think the, the golfing class in the two is just so vast. It, it, I just don't think it's that tasty. A game anymore yeah. for a neutral point of view. I think mm-hmm. if you're in and around the city like we are, um, obviously the derby and, go- and going to Goodison or them coming to Anfield, you know, we want to obviously give them a good eye and you know when they come in and embarrass them um, like we did a couple of times last season, certainly in the FA Cup and that. But I just think Ancelotti's going to get to the point where he's going. I just can't make this happen at Everton. Um, because of the, the restrictions that are in place and, mm. and, and what he's got to work mm. with. I just can't see it. I think he's incredible. I really like him. I think he's, he's an unbelievable coach. And um, I just think that, yeah, he's right guy wrong time.
3: Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Everton rebuilding job in a second because we're going to look at some of the transfer gossip that is doing the rounds on the back pages of the papers. It is silly season and there are some silly transfer rumours flying around and we'll do that next on
1: Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at kingcasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. Be gambler Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. There is so much transfer news doing the rounds at the moment. Doesn't really feel like the window's got going yet, but there's certainly plenty of rumours and a few rumours that if they do come off, it could be that, one move that kind of sparks everything into the action and starts off that chain reaction. So, we're going to start at Arsenal, and they've been a long time target, or have been long time targeting, I should say, Gabriel Margulis, the 22 year old Brazilian centre back currently at Lille. It looked like he was going to be joining Arsenal, but apparently it's hit a bit of a roadblock because Manchester United are suddenly interested in the player. What are you thinking on this one, Niall? Do you think there is, is it, firstly, is it a genuine fight between? Between United and Arsenal or is this Lil just kind of throwing in a little bit of interest from Manchester United to try and get Arsenal to actually complete the deal
2: I think it's a good point Jim because this Manchester United interest seems to have kind of come out of nowhere and basically if you want to drive the market value up for a player You just say that a few big clubs are interested like manchester united real madrid Mm. barcelona man city to an extent you just say you know it might be a bit of agent talk you know kind of dishing something out to the newspapers agents and journalists have an interesting relationship because you always seem to figure out that if agents drip feed something to journalists and it gets out there you tend to see the transfer fee creep up slightly and of course it's in an agent's interest to get the best value Uh, for his player in terms of a move to get the most money because that means he gets a bigger cut if he takes 20% of the transfer fee he wants that transfer fee to be as high as possible so you know I'm sure most people listening out there probably already knew that but certainly you do see these big clubs kind of creep into transfer negotiations through the press which all of a sudden kind of has sprung up out of nowhere and it's sometimes hard to tell what's legit and what isn't I can tell you that Arsenal's interest is legit um, and Everton were also interested in Gabriel Magalhaish um, earlier on in the transfer window. how you say it? Yeah, Magalhaish. Not Magalés. Magalés. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, they just call him... They just, yeah, Magalhaish, I think his name is, but they just call him Gabriel. <laughs> so we'll just call him Gabriel <laughs> for now, easy. shall we? Yeah. Gabriel um, could possibly be on his way to Arsenal, but Everton were definitely interested earlier on in the window, and I think that's kind of building off the back of what Steve said earlier on in the show about Everton, is that Carlo Ancelotti has got an eye for a good player and he knows the sort of players he wants. And and Gabriel is one of those players that he had his eye on. But obviously with being at a club like Everton, this is no disrespect to them because I think they're a great football club, traditional old school club, one of my favourites in the Premier League. Um, And I just think that it's going to be difficult for Ancelotti to try and attract players to Everton compared to some of his previous jobs like Mm. PSG or AC Milan because Everton don't quite have the pedigree... um, that those clubs that he's previously managed do have as well as the as the bank balance. They might have the money, but do they have the attraction um, from a different aspect? Perhaps not. So certainly if you were Gabriel, you'd choose between Everton and Arsenal. I think most people would choose Arsenal at this moment in time. Um, not because Everton are, are not a good football club, just purely because Arsenal seems to be the, the smarter choice. They will be mm. uh, playing European football next season. They've got a progressive manager in Mikel Arteta who looks like he could be doing some good things with the club in the future. But Manchester United, I mean, if you were choosing between Arsenal Manchester United. If you were Gabriel, and let's say this United interest is legitimate, I mean, surely you'd pick them, wouldn't you? Champions League football, um, a defence that needs a little bit more reinforcement at Manchester United. Even though that they've been um, a lot better this season than they were the season before last. Um, so yeah, I think I think that it's going to be an interesting one to see how legitimate this Manchester United move is. I mean, 22.6 million is the kind of reported fee, around 22 to 25 million. It's not a lot in today's market, is it, Steve? I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, for a good player now, you're looking at 40-odd million minimum. So I think we'll come on to Liverpool's pursuit of Thiago a little bit later on in the podcast as well, which also looks to be a bargain deal. And maybe that's the sort of money we'll be seeing bandied around now because of the coronavirus pandemic and its financial implications. But yeah, Gabriel Magalhaes, good defender, um, 22, tall. Um, He's he's got got a bit about him. Um, I think, I'm not sure whether he's made a, a... debut for Brazil yet, but certainly he's in the running to, uh, to kind of get into that Brazil squad. So um, yeah, should be should be an interesting one to keep an eye on, whether it's Arsenal or United, we're not too sure.
3: I do know what you mean about Manchester United. They do still have a status when it comes to attracting players, but I think it just makes a lot of sense as a move for Arsenal. As you say, he's tall, six foot three, he's good in the air, he's the kind of solid centre-back that Arsenal need. But at 22, you do wonder that The pressure of a move to a club like Manchester United, where players sometimes don't get the time to develop, whether that would be right. And at Arsenal, they've got Mikel Arteta, who, as a coach, we know from his time at City, has a great reputation for bringing through young players. So I think it would make a lot of sense for Arsenal to be after him and for him as a player to move to Arsenal and develop as well. Um, As you mentioned... We're going to talk about Thiago and his potential move to Liverpool. It did look like Liverpool weren't going to be doing anything this transfer window, but they want to buy a Munich midfielder for reportedly around £30 million. Apparently the sticking point at the moment is finances and that Liverpool need to offload a few players before they bring players in. So firstly, Steve, is he the kind of player that you think can add to the Liverpool squad? Secondly, who would be leaving
0: if he was going to come in, uh, firstly, I think I think he'd be a fantastic addition. Uh, I think you know he, he's creative. He's, he's a real kind of he's a conductor of the orchestra, isn't he? You know, and he's played some really fantastic games for Bayern Munich in recent times. You know, that we've watched certainly in the, in the Champions League, and um, I think he, he does add something that that we've missed. I think really since. In our midfield, since you know Coutinho left Liverpool, and that is the the kind of you know the the assists, the the, the shots from outside the box, you know the the kind of energy and their defence splitting passes, and um, I think he'd be a welcome addition. At 29 years of age, he is outside the model that that we usually look at to you know to transfer a player. But I think when you've got someone of his quality, because he he is genuinely world class. Um, I think you've got to look at it and go. You know, if if Bayern Munich are kind of after around thirty million euros for him, that is a move that makes sense. I think. I see Melissa Ready yesterday from the, you know, um, who's usually bang on the money with stuff. Um, she was saying that you know finance isn't the issue with, with Liverpool. It, it is it's the squad management situation, and I think right. that Liverpool will probably right. need to move one or two on. And and for me to answer the second part of the question, I think you're probably looking at Harry Wilson. Um, I think Marco Gruwich um, and and I think potentially Zerd and Shaqiri as well um, will probably Adam Lalan has just left Liverpool um, and I just think that you know Liverpool are looking at recouping forty million for Harry Wilson and, and Marco Gruwich at, at the moment um, you know their moves that are likely to happen this summer and I think they'll look at it and just go yeah we can we can we can do that and and um, get a player of of undeniable quality in that. Sometimes with with Liverpool, they've even though they they've been sensational for, for you know a few years now, I think they do miss that little magician in the middle. You know, something who could, who can build something from nothing and and um, because it's obviously with a system led midfield, the system works incredibly well. Um, you know, if he's got Henderson, Fabinho, and um, uh, either kind of Naby Keita or Genie Wijnaldum in there. But I think you know I think Tiago brings something different, and I think at 29, the way these players look after themselves now, I think it's a it's a it's a good move to make for everyone concerned.
3: 29, he's at his peak. He's undoubtedly a brilliant player. He's incredibly versatile. He can play at 10. He can play eight. He can play six. We know that when Guardiola came into Bayern Munich, I remember Guardiola saying. I can't remember the exact quote, it was something like about if you don't get me, Thiago, I don't want anyone, or something along those lines, and he ended up being one of the first signings Guardiola bought into Bayern Munich. But because he's so much of because he's so versatile now where does he fit into that Liverpool lineup? would he be a utility player would he be the playmaker role that Steve describes
2: I don't know it's tough to say because I mean obviously I've been away for the last week so I haven't watched too much of the Champions League um, but I know that Bayern Munich just from watching a, a couple of the highlights videos from the games they've been on absolute fire uh, and as you say he's 29 so you know he, he could be an, an interesting addition and for less than 30 million euro it seems a, a punt worth taking but in terms of his positional play it's difficult to really kind of judge with with Jurgen Klopp um, because we've seen Jordan Henderson uh, even though he's kind of v- viewed by most as this kind of defensive midfielder the, the central player that sits a little bit deeper than the rest and allows the other two to kind of progress um, we've also seen Jordan Henderson given a license to go forward haven't we earlier this season where he kind of did add that attacking element to his game so I don't know whether you know, Jordan Henderson might be put on the back burner in terms of just staying a little bit deeper and allowing um, Thiago to kind of move a little bit further forward. Uh, I think it is useful to have a versatile player in your squad, there's no doubt about that because we know how much that Liverpool rely on that front three and as we've mentioned before, if Salah's injured, if Mane's injured, then you're replacing them with Divock Origi um, and who's a good player but is he as good as Tiago? And even though Tiago's not a, f- a forward player in that sense, he's not kind of an attacking player in terms of striking. Um, but you could stick him in the front three and probably still have more confidence that he's going to impact the game than Origi. So, yeah, I mean, it's useful to have um, to have a player with those different options. I can't claim to know too much about Tiago, but um, if he's leaving a team like Bayern Munich, then... No complaints from me if I was a Liverpool fan, because we see the way that they've been playing recently. I mean, it looks like, yeah, I mean, I'll be stunned if they don't win the Champions League. I think I tipped them to win the Champions League earlier on uh, this month. So I'm pretty happy with how they've done, to be fair. Um, but certainly if he's coming from a squad with that much talent and that much um, just fear, really, then, uh, then yeah, it should be a good addition for Liverpool. But in terms of where he plays, I'll be honest, I don't really know.
3: Uh, We'll do one more bit of transfer news before moving on, and that is Chelsea, who we've been talking about their defence needing strengthening for a while now, conceded 54 goals last season, which isn't good enough for a team that are looking to challenge. So Frank Lampard is apparently targeting three new defenders. They kind of all fit that mould of young-ish English players, Lewis Dunk from Brighton, Ben Chilwell from Leicester and John Stones from Manchester City. I mean, it's looking like a complete overhaul at Chelsea this season now, from a team that didn't exactly do badly last season, but this is Lampard addressing the defence and is that a defence that he's going to be assembling that can turn Chelsea into those Premier League challenging squad?
2: Oh, It's a difficult question because I think You do look at Chelsea on the face of it. They got to a cup final. They qualified for the Champions League. They've performed well. They're young players um, that have been given sort of debuts by Lampard and given chances by Lampard have been decent. Um, But they have lost a lot of games, or they did lose a lot of games last season. I think it's easy to forget how many games they actually lost. And with other teams around them also kind of underperforming, um, it makes you wonder where if you know, Tottenham were on top form, if Arsenal were at full strength, if Manchester United carried on the form they had at the end of the season, at the beginning of the season, um, where Chelsea would have actually finished. It does make you think that, but obviously the league table is relative. Chelsea have finished in the top four because that's where they've deserved to be. But I do think the the defence is a key question mark. However, your question about whether whoever they bring in will turn them into title contenders... I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the first couple of seasons that Liverpool had under Jurgen Klopp, where it kind of felt like it was so top heavy, that Liverpool squad, where, you know, Liverpool would kind of score four goals uh, and the other team would score three or the other team would score five. You know, they were always high scoring games. Um, And I think that's what made Liverpool a good cup side. And I don't know whether we'll see the same with Chelsea this season coming up, where they've got such attacking talent that they will end up scoring bags of goals, but they'll also concede loads at the other end. Particularly if these rumours are true that N'Golo Conte might be on his way out of the club as well, because I think he's a key defensive component for Chelsea. You know, screening the back four. Although I don't think we've seen the best of him since... um, before Maurizio Sarri took over at Chelsea two seasons ago so I think the benefit for Chelsea is a lot of their defenders that they do have on their books at the moment although they are foreign players they're technically considered homegrown because they've come through the academy I'm thinking the likes of Zuma uh, etc so I do think they do have options there at the back I mean um, Ethan Ampadu has been a RB Leipzig this season, although they kind of see him as a central midfield player as well, Um, if needs be, he can play in that defensive midfield role. So they do have options, but Chelsea desperately need to strengthen at at centre half. And the question is, who is out there at the moment that can come in and make Chelsea a title challenger in terms of having a strong spine of that squad I think Zuma impressed the season before last at Everton when he was on loan and they were kind of hanging his hat at Goodison Park hanging their hats at Goodison Park and keeping Zuma, and that never happened and I thought he was really poor for Chelsea this season I thought he was one of their worst players um, for Kaio Tamori's been good but again inexperienced although he's been good he's a young inexperienced defender the first half. yeah exactly and you know defence um, in defence you want experienced heads you want players that are calm and know what they're doing and and they can keep the game under control. Um, Look at the best centre-backs that Chelsea have had over the years. Desailly was an experienced centre-back, won the World Cup with France. Brilliant defender. John Terry showed his experience. Frank Leboeuf, yeah, Gary Cahill in recent seasons. I mean, David Luiz, we all know that David Luiz is a liability, but Gary Cahill was good foil for David Luiz because you had one experienced player next to another who was slightly more erratic, and it seemed to work out quite well. At least it did under Antonio Conte. So, you know, you've just got to kind of really get that right and I think the kind of basis of good Chelsea teams over the years was that spine so they had checking goal if you think about Kepa now there's real big question marks over his future and whether whether he's really good enough so there's one real point of of concern then you had John Terry at at the back who was another big key component of that spine now who have they got you know in that central defensive role that you can think well okay he's one of the best defenders in the Premier League I'm not so sure Rudiger's good but doesn't stay fit enough for me And then they had Lampard in the centre midfield. Um, They've got good midfield options, Chelsea. And then they had... Didier Jogba at front and and likewise now they've got decent striking options so I think it is the goalkeeper and the defence that seriously needs looking at but as we know with the fees that defenders have commanded in recent times a good centre-back is the flavour of the month look at Harry Maguire um, look at the likes of Virgil van Dijk even a couple of seasons ago and a half um, how much he cost but if you get it right it can be hugely hugely beneficial although Maguire's not had the expected impact that people would have wanted him to at Manchester United he has improved their defence whether it's as much as people expected him to perhaps not but he has improved the defence the stats show that the league positioning shows that for Manchester United and then Virgil van Dijk we all know what he's done at Liverpool since he's come in strengthened the defence made the team 10 times better and they've got their just rewards for it over at Liverpool so if Chelsea are going to splash big money on a centre half because that's how much they cost now they do cost a lot of money they have to get it right where do they look is anyone's guess
3: I quite like I can think I can see what Lampard's trying to do here with these potential three, with Lewis Dunk, Chilwell and Stones. And I think he's looking at the reduced pre-season. He's looking at the the, the the short time that players are going to get to adapt. And he's going, these are three players that know how to play in the Premier League that can immediately come in and do a job. And I think maybe the interesting one from those three, quickly, Steve, is John Stones, who... his star has fallen so far at Manchester City, it feels to me that he kind of needs that move, he needs to find a new club and he can kind of re-establish himself and rebuild his confidence a bit.
0: Yeah, he's had a rough ride at Man City and he went for, what, 50 million quid, didn't he, from Everton and I think that it's a difficult place to be in when the manager doesn't trust you and it's quite obvious that Pep doesn't trust John Stones at the back Um, and I think it comes off the back of a few high-profile errors. And he, need, he does need to go somewhere and rebuild his confidence. I don't think he's... I don't... I don't think he's of the quality that Chelsea need if they are going to uh, try and win the Premier League. I think... I just don't get a lot of confidence from it. I think that... Uh, I mean, I've seen that you know Everton were, we're back in for him at, at one point and I thought I can actually see that. You know, that feels like quite a good fit. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that... You know, spending kind of massive money on him, um, you know, because I don't think he gets in. The, obviously, he doesn't get in the Man City team. He doesn't get in the Liverpool team, and um, very, very difficult. But I think I just don't think he's the answer. But I hope he sorts it out. You know, I don't want anyone having kind of like suffering from confidence issues and it having an effect on you know the mental side of their game. But I, I don't know what John does. I don't know whether he goes to a mid-table team and you know, rebuilds and um, gets his... Because he's a relatively young man still, isn't he? I mean, what is he? He must be about 25, 26, mm. something like that, mustn't he? Mm. And um, I don't know whether... He's got plenty of time on his side to do a couple of seasons somewhere else, rebuild his you know his reputation and his stock and, and, and his confidence and and then move somewhere else, you know, to uh, see out the, the remainder of his career. But, yeah, bit of a red flag for me, that one with Chelsea.
3: I did promise you some Everton news before we move on. We're not going to discuss this one, but a little... Bit of a rumour flying around that one of the players that are being is being targeted by Ancelotti for his Everton rebuild in midfield is Decore, who obviously went down with Watford. He wants to move back to the Premier League. He's been quite public in saying that £25 million is the price tag. Um, looks like he could be on his way to Everton, but we'll keep an eye on that one. So we're going to come back in a moment and we're going to talk slightly delayed about the Premier League player of the season that went to Kevin De Bruyne. I'm sure Steve's got a view and we'll find out exactly what That is next on Football Social Daily. Football
1: Social Daily. The crown awaits with a 100% up to £150 plus 50 free spins over your first two deposits at KingCasino.com. Over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. Please play responsibly. BeGambleAware.org. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
3: Welcome back to Football Social Daily. As I said before the break, the Premier League player of the season has been announced and the trophy has gone to Kevin De Bruyne. He's had an exceptional standout season as an individual, but obviously has fallen slightly short when it comes to Manchester City's successes. So, Steve, I'm sure you are plumping for a Jordan Henderson or a Sadio Mane or a Trent Alexander-Arnold, all who were nominated for this to pick up the award. Is it the right choice to give it to Kev? Yes, uh, in a
0: word, Ooh. I think that he's he's been um, obviously I want you know Liverpool to win all the awards being a Liverpool supporter, and I think that they've won everything else, haven't they? And um, I think it'd be hard to look past Ken De Bruyne for for the impact and the season that he's had. His numbers have been absolutely sensational, and some of the goals that he scored this season have been incredible. And he, and he really is the the kind of the engine and the, and, the, and the spark in that Man City team because they're a completely different team without him in it and um, I think he they miss him more than Aguero when he's not playing and um, I think it's very difficult to make an argument for, for Kevin De Bruyne and not to get it and uh, fair play to him I think he's he's been really really good no complaints about it I mean the only thing is I lost a bit of money on that when I um, <laughs> uh, uh, when it was announced, I was I was in the gym and I seen the Sky Sports news uh, alert come up and I thought, for God's sake, owe Phil Hudson who comes on the podcast some money now uh, because I uh, <laughs> I bet on Jordan Henderson and um, yeah, no complaints. Like I say, he's he's a he's he's one of the finest players in the world in one of the finest teams in the world and. Um, uh, you know, he's he's a regular in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and um, he's um, fair play to him. I think you know, well done, Kev. You deserve it, mate.
3: Nice little punch to the guts there in the middle of your praise.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I, could, I couldn't praise him and not do that, could I? You know what I mean?
3: 13 goals he scored, Uh, City finished the highest scorers in the division again, third year they've done that in a row, more importantly 20 assists, equaling the record set by Terry Henry back in 2003, it's really difficult to put any argument against Kevin De Bruyne picking up this trophy, even though he did miss out on the Premier League and did miss out on the Champions League Nile.
2: Yeah, he's been absolutely class, hasn't he? And I think it's just a shame that he was injured for for last season, for a a large majority of it. He had that knee injury and we haven't seen um, as much of Kevin De Bruyne as I would like. And what we have seen is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the goal he scored against Newcastle earlier this season is one of those goals where you make a strange noise when the ball goes in, it thundered underneath the crossbar and bounced (laughs) over the line and you go, oh, what a goal. You know, it's one of them where you kind of let out an exhalation of breath and you kind of you think fair play. I mean, if, if you're a Newcastle fan and someone's scoring a goal like that against you, you just have to hold your hand up and say this guy's different class. And I think he's been exactly that. And we talk about players that are world class. And I think that term gets thrown around a little too loosely nowadays. And the way I kind of determine who's world class and who's not is if there was a world 11 if you know earth 11 were playing against mars 11 in a football match who would get in earth 11 i think kevin de bruyne would do and i think he is one of the best players in the premier league chelsea obviously will be kicking themselves with uh, letting him go all those years ago uh, paul merson will be kicking himself about saying 50 million was uh, overpriced for kevin de bruyne well i think it's if anything it's shown that it has been underpriced he's been that good deserves the trophy and what I will say is, I'm glad that it's gone to Kevin De Bruyne because it will shut some Man City fans up. And I don't want to diss any Man City fans here, but there are a large portion of Manchester City fans on social media, at least as from a neutral perspective, that are whingy as anything that their players don't get the credit <laughs> they deserve. Okay, so you win, they won, they, City fans they won a treble last season. They're complaining that their players didn't get given Player of the Season award. Do you really care about that? I mean, the players might have a little bit of a gripe about it, but do you really think that players genuinely care? I mean, if they've won trebles, it doesn't really matter whether you I mean, who cares about individual awards, really? It doesn't really matter does it to be fair it's just it's just a no. statistic no. you don't get any money for it. you get a bit of you get a piece of metal stuck to a piece of wood is what you get um it's nice to be given the trophy kevin de bruyne absolutely deserves it um, and hopefully manchester city fans will now keep a little bit quieter about how their players don't get the credit they deserve no one has ever said that manchester city's players aren't good enough it's just it's not it's a myth it doesn't exist we've always praised city players on this podcast and um long may that continue because if they continue performing at the level of Kevin De Bruyne then they might win a fair few more awards in the near future
3: Liverpool fans won't be too disappointed because Jurgen Klopp got manager of the season I guess Chris Wilder was the only the the real only competition there Trent Alexander Arnold got the young player award as well I thought the championship young player of the award was really interesting that went to Leeds United Luke's Sorry, Leeds United's Luke Ayling, uh, who we'll be able to see in the Premier League next season. But you look across the nominations for the Young Player of the Year in the championships, and a lot of them are going to be in the Premier League next season. Uh, ben Rama from Brentford, who obviously is still with Brentford, but being eyed up for a few player. Um, Eben Riki Easy from uh, Queen's Park Rangers, who is being touted as a Premier League addition. Piera at West Bromwich Albion. Mitrovic at Fulham. Oli Watkins at Brentford as well. They could all end up in the Premier League next season. But as I said, it's Watkins and Easy who are both being linked with big moves at the moment. Can you see them both coming to the Premier League Ezy's being linked with a move to Palace and West Ham? Watkins, Leeds United, Sheffield United, West Ham United, Aston Villa are all after him reportedly.
2: Ooh, um, there's definitely going to be some interest. I know West Ham and Crystal Palace are quite keen on Eberechi Eze, I think. Um, I don't know who's going to win that. I thought it was interesting. Did you say Luke Ayling won young player of the year in the championship?
3: Yeah. He's 28. I think so. Maybe they've got slightly... Uh, <laughs> they've, got, they've got as flexible rules as the Premier League Quite relaxed rules. <laughs> you're under 40, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. in with a <laughs>
2: chance. Yeah, some good young players coming up from the championship into the Premier League. And if they can perform as well as some of the other young players that we've seen do that this season. Like, for instance, I'm thinking at Norwich City, Jamal Lewis, Todd Campwell those kinds of players have performed well in the Premier League this season. I mean, I think as well, if you look at the likes of Brighton, they've given opportunities to players like Aaron Connolly. I know they weren't in the Championship last season. But certainly, if you do give these young, hungry players opportunities, it can reap rewards in certain areas. So, yeah, I do think we might see some of these uh, young players that have come up on those promoted teams being given a chance and performing well. But in terms of signings, I think the likelihood is Ben Rama and Watkins will be leaving Brentford and going to a... Destination, whether that be overseas or here, remains to be seen. Um, I certainly think we'll see Eze in the Premier League. I think Crystal Palace is probably a a better shout than uh, West Ham. I'm still waiting to see the best out of Jared Bowen at West Ham, who signed from Hull City last season after performing really well for them albeit I think they got relegated in the end didn't they Hull city from the championship so we'll have to wait and see what happens
3: without his goals they kind of fell fell away at when yeah
2: so we'll have to see what happens there but I think we will see Eze Watkins and Ben Rama all in the, cha- in the Premier League next season uh, which will be a shame for the championship but I think it depends who comes with the biggest checkbook to be honest Jim um, and I think mm. more likely than not It will be West Ham United. Um, If you're talking Eze in that sense, West Ham will have more money to spend on him, but Crystal Palace, I think he'll get better opportunities. So that's one that he'll have to weigh up as a young player.
3: It was for the championship player of the season not young player all those players I mentioned were nominated for championship (laughs) player of the season rather than young player which makes a lot more sense so yeah it does well spotted Niall Um, I really like Eze I think he's a great player he kind of reminds me a little bit of Jack Grealish in the fact that he can play in off the left but also plays number 10 as well and I love the fact that three years ago he couldn't get a club anywhere he'd been released by Millwall he'd failed at trials at Aston Villa and Fulham sorry Arsenal and Fulham I think it was and then he took a job in Tesco instead, but suddenly there was some interest from uh, QPR and that has sparked him into one of the most exciting players in the in the championship in English football, I'd say, at the moment. Still really young as well. Out of that list, Steve, if there was one player you were going to go, that's who I think will excel in the Premier League. Who do you think it would be? I mean, it's a tough one for me,
0: this, because um, I've only seen glimpses of them all. <clears throat> um, but, you know, when the glimpses... that. Have... And I think Ben Rama's really exciting from Brentford. Um, obviously, I know he, he, he didn't really have a good good time in the playoff final, but um, I think he, he's, Mitrovic has, has done really well in the championship, and I think that's a good level for him because he struggled at Newcastle, didn't he? And um, Ollie Watkins just scores for fun. So I think, and the young lad uh, Easy or um I think is quite exciting as well. I'd probably say Ben Rama, to be fair. I think, though, no, he's, he's more likely to. Um, Go make an impact in the Premier League because 'cause he's got a lot about him. He's a lot he's got a lot of flair, knows where the back of the net is and uh, he's pacey and, and he's the type of player where you're watching him and, and just saying expecting something exciting to happen. So yeah, I would say Ben Rama Right,
3: and that is it for Football Social Daily for another episode. Don't forget to click subscribe to this show. We'll be back. To full force, one podcast every single day of the season, once the season kicks off in about three weeks. So click subscribe now so you don't forget closer to the time. And don't forget you can find more details on everything we do, including listening to audio reports on the latest transfers from your favourite Premier League teams via the new website, sports-social.co.uk. Cheers, Nile, Cheers, Steve. Thanks, guys. Cheers, and we'll see you next time on Football Social Daily.